0: Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, Lovely morning. Good to see so many people out at church this morning. And you're all very welcome, be it in person here in the building or if you're watching online via our Facebook or our church app or listening later on CD, you too are very welcome. And on your behalf, it gives me a great opportunity and welcome back to the Reverend Bob Allelay. Bob, it's great to have you back again. Uh, We enjoy your ministry uh, your enthusiasm, your encouragement. Uh, we know you've travelled just from uh, but you're very welcome here to First Wrath this morning and we look forward to hearing what the Lord has laid upon your heart for each of us today. So just a few uh, announcements to make uh, in advance of our service and I'll be as quick as I can. Just to remind everybody that tomorrow evening at 7.30 uh, the Women's Bible Study will be taking place in the Minor Hall. Wednesday the 9th will be midweek Bible study. Uh, And if you have never had the opportunity to come along to that, you should think about Wednesday evening at 8 o'clock in the Minor Hall. Thursday evening, GB is back on again here in the church buildings. And Friday, the BB is on as well. And you get updated information in both organizations through their Facebook and through the website. Next Sunday morning, DV, the speaker will be uh, Mr. Mark Annett. And also a reminder that the prayer meeting is in the minor hall each Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. Just a couple of additional announcements to make. The Reverend Kenny Hanna uh, has asked, we mentioned, a looking after yourself for farmers and farming families. It's a health well-being project. And that will be in Hilltown Farmers Market on Saturday, the 9th of April. And that's from 7.30 a.m. Uh, through to 8.30 a.m. And I'm told that there's a free fry between half seven and eight. So that made the encouragement to go along. But there were more details on the screens uh, at a a later point. We'll keep you updated on that. We're all very mindful of the situation that's currently evolving in Ukraine. And just to say that uh, congratulations to our GB company uh, who made an appeal for... Uh, gifts and for food and for essential items to be donated and so uh, they had a really good response to that on Thursday evening as you will see from the photographs on the screen and so congratulations to them and a very poignant reminder too and it's good to have the girls participating in this uh, effort and they even had a couple of chairs coloured in the the colours of the national flag of Ukraine And some prayer time with older girls. So well done uh, to our GB company. And just as we speak about the Ukraine appeal, the moderator has issued the appeal for Ukraine just this week. Uh, The details are on the screen currently, but these will be uh, up on the screen each Sunday morning. We'll get this onto the website also, and we'll get it out on our WhatsApp groups. But just to say that, uh, to respond to the moderator's appeal, Uh, If you want to put a donation, your donation, in an envelope, you can do that. Uh, Put your envelope number on it and also put the moderator appeal. Or you can make your donation online uh, through a standing or through just an online donation rather into the church account directly. But the treasurer has reminded me to tell you all to make sure that when you're making that donation online, that you add your envelope number and the reference being moderator appeal. These are all the announcements, Bob. Uh, please do... I'm in- going to test
1: the I can't get that open. There you go. <laughs> Former cool man to the rescue. Hopefully I don't well. good man. Thank you very much. Trip over them, and uh, it hit my my head off the window ledge. And as you can see, the window ledge won. So, but uh, I spent a wee while on Thursday in casualty, and they were just wonderful. Nothing broken. They did a, um, an X-ray in my head and found nothing inside it. So, <laughs> however, these things happen. I remember uh, many years ago um, I was playing hockey and. Uh, There was a now. If you don't know anything about hockey, there was a short corner. The guy was taking it, flicked the ball, it hit the post, and it was about that height. And I was waiting for it to fall to the ground uh, to have a shot. But the fullback decided he'd have a go, and he went to hit the ball in midair, missed it, and hit me straight there. And uh, I ended up in, in casualty that day. Went into work on Monday with two big black eyes and a broken nose and uh, this was about 1969 or 70 and i was in the cash in the bank and of course everybody came in and said what happened i got hurt playing hockey oh yeah there were been rioting in east belfast all weekend (laughs) (laughs) so there you are there's always a story isn't there but it's great to be back it's a lovely morning isn't it A lovely drive over from Armagh. And a lovely opening hymn, one that means so much to us. Holy, holy, holy. So let's stand and give praise to our God. Now let's bow before the Lord in prayer. Let us pray. Holy, holy, holy you are. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we rejoice to be able to meet here today. We thank you that as we do that, we're very conscious of the sunlight coming in through the windows, reminding us, of your power in creation. We thank you that you have thought through every issue, that you are totally in control all the time. And we acknowledge, O God, that in your sovereignty, you have a plan for us, for this congregation, and for all your people. And we know that these are difficult days for our brothers and sisters in Christ in Ukraine, and we will be specifically praying for them later on. But we marvel that even as we bow before you at this time, there are millions, even billions across the world. Some have already worshipped, those within our time frame are worshipping, and those Those to the west are still to worship you. And there is a worship of praise going up to you, O God, because you deserve it. You do not ask for it, but we bring it to you because we love you. We love you because you have sent your only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the second person in the Trinity, to come into this world to live a sinless life, to give his life willingly on the cross for our sake. We thank you that even hanging on that cross, there was a repentant sinner beside him. And he heard those wonderful words, today you will be with me in paradise. Lord, we live this life in fear and trembling at times. But the only fear that we ought to have is fear of you, O God. And that's a fear of awe. So, as we gather, as we bow before you, as we try to concentrate our thoughts upon what you're going to say to us today, perhaps through one of the hymns, even perhaps through the children's talk, but most especially through the reading and the proclamation of your word, we pray, Lord, that we would... See that this is for us and that we are your people, your family here in this place. And we have been given a commission to go out into all the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. Lord, forgive us for our laziness at times. Forgive us when we give in to temptation. Forgive us when we fall short of your wonderful standard. And even here today, give us an opportunity to rededicate our lives afresh and to step out in fear, yes, of the Lord, but afraid of nothing because you have promised never to leave us nor forsake us. And we know that as we go out into the world as your disciples, you will open up doors for us and give us opportunities to speak to others about the love which we have for you. So we worship you this morning and we pray that you would visit us, encourage us and build us up because we ask all these things in Jesus name and for his sake. Amen. Now, I'm sure you have a Bible maybe or uh, you have perhaps one on your phone. And um, I remember whenever uh, this started um, preaching some years ago and noticing some of the young people And the minute I announced the scripture reading, they took out their phones, and I thought they were messaging each other or something, but they were reading their Bibles, which was wonderful. So Psalm 5 uh, is what we're going to be looking at later. Uh, Psalm 5 is a very familiar psalm. It's a very encouraging psalm. It's a psalm which is full of thanksgiving, which is why we're here. So let's read it together. Psalm 5. This is God's word. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my sighing. Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God, for to you I pray. In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you and wait in expectation. You are not a God who takes pleasure in evil. With you, the wicked cannot dwell. The arrogant, cannot stand in your presence. You hate all who do wrong. You destroy those who tell lies, bloodthirsty and deceitful men. The Lord abhors. But I, by your great mercy, will come into your house. In reverence will I bow down towards your holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make straight your way before me. Not a word from their mouth can be trusted. Their heart is filled with destruction. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongue they speak deceit. Declare them guilty, O God. Let their intrigues be their downfall. Banish them for their many sins, for they have rebelled against you. But let all who take refuge in you, be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may rejoice in you. For surely, O Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. Amen. And may God bless the reading of his word. Now, to the boys and girls, and it's lovely to see boys and girls in the congregation and to hear about things starting up again. And I'm going to ask you to do things, but before I do it, I, they're, they're, I think they're impossible. Okay? So the first thing is, we'll see the first picture. Right. Be invisible. See, can you disappear? Well, that's one way of doing <laughs> duck under the seat. Well, it's impossible. We can't make ourselves invisible. We can hide, yes, but we can't stay hidden. Here's something else. I want you, to, first of all, a very rude thing stick your tongue out as far as you can. Stick it out as far as you can, okay? Now, see, can you lick your ear? Come on, try, see how far you can get it out. It's, no, it's impossible. Although, my son could lick the tip of his nose. Something I can't do. But anyway, here's another one. Fly like Superman. I'm sure you've seen TV, movies. It seems so simple. But don't try it, especially if you're upstairs. Uh, We can't. It's impossible. Now, here's one. Hands up who's got a, a dog. Any of the boys and girls got a dog? Put it up high. So there's some dogs, right. Now, our little dog, she's a little West Highland Terrier, and uh, they suffer a little bit from skin complaints, and sometimes her ear is a bit smelly. That's okay. But I want you now to smell your ear. How are you getting on? No, it doesn't work. It's impossible. Okay, here's a simple, what am I going to say next? No, you don't know. Well, that was a bit unfair of me to to, to ask whether you could do any of those things because they're all obviously impossible. And I'm going to look for a few minutes at something that seemed impossible to do. And it's all about Abraham and Sarah. Now, we'll get our first picture up here. God had promised Abraham that he would have a family as big as the number of stars in the heaven. Now, you may, well, you're maybe not up that late, but if you go out on a clear night and look up into the skies, you will see billions of stars, so many that you couldn't possibly count them. And God promised Abraham this. But the problem was that they had no children. And Abraham was... 99, and his wife was probably in her mid 90s. Now, as anyone here, any of the children got a great grandfather or mother? Anyone got, now you may well have grand, now I'm a grandfather, and I'm a long way short of 99. <laughs> so just think of it imagine your great grandmother. Having babies. Well, this is what happened. God promised uh, Abraham and Sarah that they would have a son. And that seemed like an impossible story. But one day, Abraham saw three men walking by. It was the Lord. Now, he didn't recognize him. It was the Lord and two angels coming to remind Abraham that he had promised uh, him a son. Abraham did the right thing. He invited them in for something to eat. And over dinner, God reminded Abraham. He said, in a year's time, your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Now, Sarah happened to be listening. She was getting the meal ready, but she couldn't help it over here. And she started to laugh because she was well into her 90s and far too old to be having a baby. But God reminded her of something, and it should come up here on the screen. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. And Genesis 18:14. Guess what happened the next year? Yes, you're way ahead of me. The next year, when Abraham was a hundred years old, Sarah, who was probably 95 or more, gave birth to the son God had promised. And they called him Isaac. And Isaac means to laugh because they were so joyful when he, their little boy was born. God proved to Abraham that he was worth trusting. And that's someone that we must remember in these days that God can be trusted. And he sent his only, his only son, Jesus. Into the world as a little baby, you all know the story, on that first Christmas day. He worked for a while as a young man, as a carpenter, and then he started his ministry, just three short years, uh, and then he went to the cross and died for us. He'd been given a special job to do, to provide our salvation, to take the punishment for our sins upon his body. Boys and girls, the uh, question, do you know Jesus as your Saviour and Lord? I don't know any of you. I'm getting to know one or two of you here, but I want to ask that question and let it hang out there. It's the same question can be asked of mums and dads, grannies and granddads, everyone who's here, or even those who perhaps are listening. We need to know Jesus. Isn't it amazing to realize that with all the trouble that's going on in Ukraine, there are thousands and thousands of Christian people who are now in the underground and they're having their services of worship there. And I, I got an email from one of the missionary societies I'm interested in and they told about this man. He's a missionary over there with European Missionary Fellowship Normally it has about 20 or 30 in this tiny little church. And the last Sunday, once the war broke, there was 120. They couldn't get any more in. So people are turning to Jesus in Ukraine. Wouldn't it be fantastic if people started turning to Jesus here in Northern Ireland and the whole island, of course. But I want you to think about that very seriously. And we're going to sing for you. Well, you're going to sing too. And I'm glad to hear we have a descant here in, in the congregation up there. She's doing really well. Or it is a girl, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, I made the mistake. I saw this beautiful baby in a pram one time. I said, She's a lovely girl. And my wife said, Are you stupid? He's wearing blue. <laughs> As the deer pants, let's sing it to God's praise. Now we come to our prayer of intercession. And obviously we want to spend most of the time praying for the Ukraine. And uh, also want to pray for Kenny Hanna. That was mentioned earlier. Uh, and there's a very some things uh, I see today. Kenny is actually just down the road in Sandy Street. And uh, I passed. They must have been an earlier service because I saw the cars parking and didn't realise it was him until I saw it. And on Tuesday, he's in Glass Car speaking to a men's group. And I know he's very keen to come and talk to any groups. And uh, it's, he started this new position really well. He's so enthusiastic. And uh, I think he spoke, or he spoke at Armagh Presbytery there uh, last month and he was brilliant. So we're going to be praying for Kenny as well. We're going to be praying too for, and I don't know them, but the Harbinson family, you will know them, and they've suffered a bereavement in recent days, and then we'll be praying for yourselves, of course. So let's focus our prayers upon the Lord. Let us pray. Well, God, our Father, it grieves us to see what is happening in the Ukraine. Part of us, uh, we find it hard to believe that such action is being taken And despite a ceasefire being called, the Russians still continued to bomb the various cities. And primarily, we want to pray for peace. We know that you are the God of peace. And we know that you answer the prayers of your people when we pray according to your will. We know that in past days, throughout the scriptures, you've overthrown empires. Empires that puffed themselves up, thought that nobody could overthrow them. We can think of the Assyrian Empire and how it collapsed almost overnight. We pray that you would intervene, O God, in this this awful strife. It's not a two-way thing. It's Russia have intervened. And we pray that you would change Putin's heart. We pray that, like some of those militant, islamic groups who have been converted to jesus we pray that jesus would enter putin's heart and change his mind and his heart and his ways we pray that for the russian people and for the people in ukraine we thank you that there is a small number of believing christians there and we thank you for the number of missionaries who have stayed behind to minister to their people We pray for church services that took place today in all probability underground. And we ask, O God, that in your sovereign will, you would make it happen that the Russian troops would start withdrawing. We pray for wisdom, for Western powers, particularly for Germany and France and Britain and the States and Australia, Canada, and these big powers that nothing uh, untoward would be done by them, but rather steps would be taken to bring peace about. We pray, Lord, for uh, food and medicine to get through. We thank you for the wonderful effort by the girls here in collecting for Ukraine. We thank you that containers are already on the way, that vans and lorries are making their way there, to help the people. Lord, we thank you that an appeal has been launched by our moderator to help uh, Ukraine. Help us just to pray about this and to give as we can give and perhaps even more. Help us perhaps to sacrifice something so that we can give to this, to this appeal. Lord, we pray for President Zelensky. Uh, we don't know how, where he stands spiritually. He's in, probably an Orthodox Christian. and We pray that Jesus would reign in his heart. We thank you for his bravery, that he didn't just run away, but that he stayed there with his troops. Bless all the young men who are called up to take arms, many who have never shot a gun in their lives. Protect them and keep them safe. And we ask, O oh Lord, that... Uh, There will be no no civilians caught up in all this. Pray for those who are seeking to look after them, the medics and the nurses and the ambulance people, paramedics and so on. Just put your, your hedge of protection around the Ukraine at this time. Lord, we think of the Harbinson family too. We know that when bereavement comes to a family... It changes their lives. And we pray that that family would know the peace which passes all understanding through Jesus Christ our Lord. We pray that you would fill the vacuum that has been uh, left by the loss of their loved one with your very presence. Just bring soothing and healing and love into that situation. We pray for Kenny Hannah, our Rural Chaplain, and we pray for the uh, Look After Yourself event at, in Hilltown on the 9th of March. We remember too the similar event in Market Hill, Mark, uh, on the 12th of March, and as uh, Kenny partners with uh, six farm support organisations, we ask that those events will encourage farmers and their families to care for every area of their lives and be with Kenny as he speaks at that breakfast, and also the subsequent conversations that he will be privileged to have during the day. May he have many opportunities to point people to the eternal hope found in Jesus alone. We pray, Lord, for uh, the climate change bill, which is causing great concern among our farmers with its demands for net zero Carbon dioxide emissions by 2045. We understand that uh, the uh, respected accountants have calculated that if this bill becomes law, it will lead to 21,500 of our 24,000 farmers going out of business. Oh Lord, we pray that our MLAs will seek a wise way forward that cares for the environment and our farmers. Uh, especially uh, will be looked after. And also the many associated agri-businesses who rely on farming for their livelihoods. So, Lord, again, you know what's best. And we pray for Kenny as he works in this environment. Finally, we pray, pray for the people here, for this congregation. And vacancies are difficult. Vacancies are difficult because some people drift away. Other people maybe uh, fall out with others. And we ask, Lord, that there might be a spirit of unity, building more and more as the weeks and months go by. We pray for the Kirk Session as they seek to give leadership. We pray for Colin as convener of the Vacancy Commission. Give him wisdom to give guidance. And we ask that uh, whenever the appropriate time comes for a delegation to go up to Linkage Commission in Belfast, that permission will be granted to call uh, their next minister. And we ask, O God, that you would quickly draw them to the one whom you have already chosen. Uh, We ask for a man who who will preach and teach the word, a man who will pastor the congregation, a man who will just fall in love with the people here and they with him. So bless the arrangements that lie ahead and all these prayers we ask. In Jesus' precious name and for his sake. Amen. So exciting days for Rathfryland. And I want to look with you at Psalm five now for a little while. I said earlier it's a Psalm of Thanksgiving, and that it is. And it's designed to help us to praise God, especially when we're going through difficult times. And Vacancies are difficult. The COVID-19 has been difficult. The threat of war in Europe is certainly a reality, and that is difficult. And we see David, at the very beginning of this psalm, is is actually preoccupied with his, his enemies. And his day hasn't even started. We can see that his devotions are all about these evil people. And He's probably had a restless night. Now, maybe you've had one of those recently. There's something weighing on your conscience or there's something concerning you that has to be done and you're not looking forward to it. And maybe you didn't get a lot of sleep. Sometimes it can be a baby, maybe crying can wake you up. Sometimes it could be (laughs) hitting a window ledge. I never slept a wink that night. And uh, the scars will be there. But at my age, I couldn't care less. Um, different I was in my 20 I'd be worried about that but restless evening restless nights come don't they to to all of us and uh, in the morning we were exhausted and we wonder how am I going to get through this day well here's a psalm which can help because it's very clearly a prayer for protection um, we can see and envisage and imagine the people in Ukraine perhaps reading psalms like this. So in troubled times, a number of things come to mind. First of all, we need to have a listening ear. We need to have a listening ear. Look at verse 2. Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God. David wants the Lord to hear not just the words of his prayer, but the very intonation of his voice. And you know the way when, um, I don't know if any of you ever went to elocution. Uh, I never went to elocution, but uh, I remember whenever my my children first, we used to send them. And uh, I was a student at the time, and I had time to bring them. And I'll never forget. My daughter particularly was interested. And she would have learned something off And she, along with 35 other little girls, exactly the same age, would have got up on the stage and said exactly the same thing. I nearly needed to be sent for at the end of it. Uh, But it was important and it taught her how to speak properly. But sometimes when we're um, maybe writing a letter, we might underline something, and that's to stress the meaning. And I think it's important whenever we're reading the Scriptures in public or even to ourselves that we can imagine a word needs to be stressed. And I remember a guy in our church in Belfast many, many years, I'm talking about almost 50 years ago, Harry uh, was one of the elders, and he had a great way of praying. We had a prayer meeting on a Saturday night, and Harry always prayed fairly soon into the meeting. And I remember, Harry, you say, Oh, God! And then he was said, Oh, God! And, you know, he was passionate. Now, some people could take offense at that. But it was just Harry was so passionate, so fervent about his prayers that he was trying to get the message across to God. But, of course, God fully understands. I don't know how many Christians there are in the world. Let's say there's three or four billion. It could be far more. I hope there are. But let's imagine, even us here in Raths Island, suddenly started praying out loud to the Lord at exactly the same moment in time. Now, I could waste a bit of time and get you to start talking together at the same time. A cacophony, isn't that the word, of sound. Just imagine four billion people doing that at the same time in different languages and everything. And yet the Lord can understand every single word from every single person because he knows them. He knows them individually. So that's why David was stressing these words. Um, take we had a little baby up with us a little a while ago. Mothers can usually discern the needs of their babies from the note of the cry. They perhaps need to be fed. They need to be changed. They need to be comforted. Whatever and the wise parent will learn to distinguish these sounds and know whether to pick them up and deal with it or to leave them for a while. Similarly, the experienced motorist driving along hears a noise and immediately that sounds like the tappets. I'm going to have to get those adjusted or there's a noise and the exhaust is blowing out somewhere. And the mother and the driver can discern these things. But you know, God can perfectly discern the needs of his children from the sounds we make. Sometimes we can do nothing but just cry, break down. And can you imagine the people in Ukraine? I'm sure they're distressed. And we watch the scenes on television and need to be very hard-hearted not to cry ourselves. But David begins, he said, give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my sighing. And God knew immediately what David wanted. And he understands our confused, garbled cries out for help. Now, it can be very difficult at times to make sense of what's going on in our minds. It's very hard to know sometimes what to say to God but let's realize that he understands because he knows what we're going to say even before we formulate it in our minds. That's what a wonderful, awesome, holy God we have. And isn't it really comforting to know that God always knows our voice. He knows who's speaking to him. And to realize that he cares for us when we're tired, when we're lonely, when we're confused, when we're hurting, is just fantastic. Psalm 38, verse 9. All my longings lie open before you, O Lord. My sighing is not hidden from you. So let's be encouraged by the fact that God has a loving, compassionate ear. And whenever we're in any sort of trouble or pain or need, he will listen. And he will help. Secondly, we learn from this that we must take it to the Lord in prayer. Everything. Converse with God, chat with God and so on. And isn't it true to say that worries have a habit of coming out into the open? Let's not deny them. Let's face up to these things. And consider them as opportunities. David knew what to do with his worries. He took them straight to the Lord in prayer. Look at verse 3. Morning by morning. Every morning he took it up to the Lord. And then verse 7. I, I'm very impressed with this guy doing, <laughs> doing the changes. Verse 7. You can read that. But I, by your great mercy, and so on. We need to understand and realize and accept that prayer is god's greatest gift to his children and we need to be asking ourselves why don't i pray we all struggle with prayer you probably think ministers don't we do probably maybe more than you do and i can hear people saying well how do you know whether i pray or not well let me qualify what i'm saying by saying this i believe we all pray but most of us do it. Without any fervor. Not like my friend Harry. We just go through the motions. We've maybe learnt a prayer when we were at Sunday school. And we're still praying the same sort of prayer. And there's no fervor. There's nothing fresh in our prayer. We're rhyming it off. Almost as if we're paying our premium for our life insurance. And once it's done we we sigh with relief. That's it for another day. Or we open our Bible and we take out our Bible reading notes and we run through it quickly, say a few prayers, and we say, Huh, oh, that's that for another day. Well, you know, that only results in a stagnant spiritual life. That only results in what we might say a lack of fulfillment in our Christian service. One thing that every vacant congregation needs is people to be together. We need unity. We need to be working together. And again, can I congratulate the girls for going out and collecting all that wonderful stuff for Ukraine. But, you know, prayer is at the bottom of everything because real prayer comes as a cry from the heart. Imagine you're in Ukraine and the shells are coming down and you're underground. You can feel the thump of the bombs going off you'll certainly pray. And I remember my wife, before I met her, was, she and a friend were away going to Spain, and something happened, one of the engines coming home, and uh, she had a bit of a fright, and she was praying, and there were two nuns sitting behind them, and one said, would you like me to pray for you? And Israel said, well, I'm praying hard already. And they landed, and then years went by, and we got married, and... Uh, we went away on our honeymoon, and it's a long time ago. But we were coming home into London, and uh, I can't remember why, but we, there were people facing us on the plane. Can anyone remember those planes? And uh, I was out looking. I said, well, there's, a, there's a football pitch, and there's a cricket. And I was looking out looking at all the buildings, and Isabel was looking straight ahead, holding on to my hand, we landed anyway, and this little Italian man sitting across uh, leant over and said to my wife, your face changed color many times. <laughs> so it's at times when we're fearful, you know, that, that we pray, when we're in need. But prayer, whether it's personal or collective, whether it's silent or audible, is at the very heart of the Christian life. And there will be no progress, sadly, in the Lord until we engage in meaningful prayer which comes right from our hearts. We may not be able to put it in in good prose. We may not have the verbs right. It doesn't matter. We can talk to God at any time. And all of our confusion within our minds is perfectly understood by God. And it's really encouraging to know that God is sorting out our problems even if we don't take his advice. He has a plan for us as individuals. He has a plan for First Wrath Friland as a congregation, for our denomination as a church, and so on. And we need to realize that to neglect fellowship with, with the Lord is to neglect prayer. So what is prayer? Well, let's put it like this, and I found this definition. Prayer is knowing that we have a secure relationship with God and that we can address him knowing that he cares for us and has the power to help us. I think I've said this before here, it's worth saying again. T.S. Mooney was an elder up in Londonderry many, many years ago and I heard him at a service of worship. He was a very able preacher and he said something along these lines. He said the number of people at your morning congregation, tell you what they think of PCI. And then he stopped. And then he said, the number of people at your evening service tell you what they think of the minister. And then he said, and the number of people at your midweek prayer meeting tell you what people think of the Lord. So there's something. Are you a midweek person? Are you a prayer meeting? Folks, people need to be together. Let me encourage you as you're, Clark at Session encourages you, come along to the midweek. Nobody will ever ask you to read. Nobody will ever ask you to pray out loud. And it's a wonderful time of fellowship. So why not give it a try? I I don't know who goes. Maybe you all go. But if you're anything like our church at home, (laughs) uh, it's a small number. But do think about that seriously. Consider how David always had access to God. And yes, look at verse 4. He's saying that he, David, is actually an enemy of God. You are not a God who takes pleasure in evil. With you, the wicked cannot dwell. Sadly, we're all enemies of God by nature. It's something that's born in us. The Bible tells us we were shaped in iniquity and born in sin. That's why Jesus ultimately had to come to take our sin upon his perfect and sinless body. And the society in which we are living today only makes that enmity more popular. When people out there in this community look at you coming here on a Sunday morning and folks down the road in, in second and third, uh, they, and they feel sorry for you. Ach, dear, love them. Wouldn't you think they could find something better to do on a Sunday? Imagine going to church. We're living in a new development in Armagh. And I can safely say we're the only people in 16 houses that come out on a Sunday morning to go to church. All young couples. Half of them are living together. And they have no idea of what joy they could have if they only knew Jesus. I was talking to, uh, funny enough, it's a, An elder of the same name, David Scott in um, Armagh, and he was saying that they had been talking just before COVID about doing door-to-door work in the place where we're living. So we need to be doing things like that. People out there think we're mad going to church. And that enmity is something that's in us because of Satan. He works upon our weaknesses, our Achilles heel, whatever our weakness is. And he will work on our loved ones and on our friends. And he'll say, well, you don't need to go. Why would you bother going? There's no minister there anyway. And that can result in people remaining strangers to the full amazing grace of God. And consequently, in being in a hostile relationship to God. Look how David describes the mouths of God's enemies like graves, he says in verse 9. And indeed, Paul in Romans 3.13 applies the very same imagery to every individual on the face of the, of the earth. So how is it then that David can find assurance in God's presence? Well, look at verse 7. I, by your great mercy, will come into your house. We've no right to come to God. Because sin has erected a barrier between us. And no matter how good we think we are, no matter how often we pray and read our Bibles and come to church and give money to the church and even the moderator's appeal, we have no right to approach God. But thankfully, God has found a way to forgive us, to have fellowship with us, while at the same time remaining true to himself as a holy and righteous God who cannot and will not let sin go unpunished. God sent his son to pay the price of redemption, your redemption and mine, and bring us into fellowship with himself. That's why Paul says it is through the blood of Christ that we can have access to the Father, Ephesians 2.18. And so the only way David could come to God was by way of a sacrifice offered up in his place. And it's exactly the same for you and for me. God has reconciled us to himself through the sacrifice of Jesus. The old hymn puts it like this. There was no other good enough to pay the price of sin. He only could unlock the gates of heaven and let us in. Third thing we learn here is that we must look for answers. No point asking questions without getting the answers. And uh, that's the way it is in society. We live in a society which is asking questions. Where is God, they will say. How can God allow the Russians to invade Ukraine? How can God allow that young man to die of a heart attack and so on? Uh, I'm a great cricket fan. Shane Warne, great Australian bowler, 52, died of a heart attack. This week, Why doesn't God show himself when there's all this going on? Why doesn't he get rid of those evil people? And why am I having such a difficult time trying to follow him? Well, in Psalm 73, which is worth reading maybe this afternoon, the writer of that psalm is Asaph. And he had exactly the same problem. And it wasn't until he came to his senses and sought God that he received assurance of God's unfailing love. And Many a Christian has asked me this. Why do I as a Christian have so much trouble? Why is there so much against me? Well, several things must be considered if we are to make sense of suffering. First of all, the whole world is cursed and out of joint. Creation, of which we are a part, of course, is subject to futility a failure to achieve and just as death is part of this curse so are the things which bring about death and that explains why as christians we're never exempt from trouble i remember sadly hearing an evangelist speaking years ago i served in the irish mission over 40 years ago I remember hearing this evangelist saying come to jesus give your life to jesus and everything will be great you'll have no more problems anymore That's not true. If you're a Christian, you know you have problems. And sometimes being a Christian brings problems. It brings opposition, perhaps at work. People make fun of you. You lose friends, but the Lord always brings new friends in. But you know something? Whenever we get to heaven, all these things will disappear. And we will be rewarded with the amazing, wonderful, joyful presence of Jesus for all eternity. Then secondly, just as Jesus suffered, so too must we. Hebrews 12 verse 3 says that. So we must expect as Christians to expect to experience pain. Two of our closest friends in the last couple of months have received terminal diagnosis about cancer. Heart. You maybe are going through the same experience. The Harbinson family have connections here. They're going through heartache, pain, sadness, uncomfortable feelings. Because the devil always throws his fiery darts at those who believe. Then this, suffering is often God's way of training us. God often does this by bringing us up short. By making us more dependent on him than on ourselves or our families. Fourthly, however much we suffer, it's never in proportion to what we deserve. Let's try and remember this. Because I believe it can can help to keep us from getting angry at God. Oh yes, we do get angry at God. We blame him for all sorts of things. Let's do what David did. Let's take our worries and our concerns and our joys and our happiness to God in prayer. Let's take everything. Let's chat to God. Tell him all that's happening. He knows it anyway. But he enjoys, you know, now don't close your eyes when you're driving or anything like that. But talk to God as a father that he is. And then the fourth thing I think we learn from this is that we're surrounded by the love of God always. Maybe verse 12 could be put up. I haven't written it down here. I'm just saying have a look at it. Because as we... There we are. Thank you. Read that as I continue. I believe this is one of the most comforting verses for believers. And... One of the most encouraging verses for unbelievers to become believers. How often have we prayed and then forgotten about it? I'm sure we've all done that. Simply because we haven't waited for God's answer. But every day, God fills our lives with answers to prayers, He keeps us out of danger. He blesses us with our family, with good health, with friends, with jobs, with a pension, with whatever. And look at David, how he finishes this psalm. He calls on believers to rejoice. Verse 11, God is our defender, he says. Verse 12, I've just said, he surrounds us with a shield. And no matter how hard or uh, difficult our troubles may seem, God's shield has actually deflected away most of the blows. So let's open up our eyes this morning to the goodness and the grace and the love of God and realize that he really does care for us. God loves us. And let's accept that he sent Jesus to die for us and always answers our prayers. Always answers our prayers. Provided they come from a repentant heart. And I can hear people saying, Oh, I asked God to heal my granny and she died. Well, that wasn't praying in the Lord's will. God will say one of three things. He'll say yes or no or wait. And we're not good at waiting. We need to wait on the Lord. You're learning how to wait during the vacancy. I'm sure some of you are maybe a little bit impatient that things haven't moved faster. But it's all happening for a reason. So let's try and praise God in our everyday lives. And let's try even harder to live lives that bring glory to his name. So that people out there will say, what is it that that person has? What makes them different? Why are they joyful in the midst of all their trouble? And who knows, that may give you an opportunity to say, because Jesus lives in my life. So have we problems? Oh, yes, we have problems. Have we enemies? Well, probably. Have we concerns? Certainly we have. But we also have a sovereign God watching over our every minute. One who has promised to bless all those who repent and believe. So may we know God's presence. May we know his peace in our hearts and lives. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for that wonderful psalm. It is truly a psalm of thanksgiving. A psalm in which we can identify with David as he brings his troubles right before you. Lord, you know our own situations. You know how we're struggling perhaps in our walk with you. We ask that you would just show us how we can come back, how we can live the life, lives that please you. And all this we pray in Jesus' name, for his sake, amen. Closing hymn is Down at the Cross. And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all.